Welcome back, welcome back. This is The Argument, and I am Dr. Sam. This will be our second Authors Corner episode, and we are honored to have with us national best-selling author, songwriter, screenwriter, director, mentor, and most of all, father, Mr. Travis Hunter. Welcome, Travis. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. First thing is, you're an author. For me, I've always wanted to write. In fact, I've contacted you quite a few times going back and forth about, you know, my regimen and what I need to be doing. But my question to you is, what led you to become an author? Okay, so I never, ever in a million years when I was growing up thought that I would be an author, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I graduated from the great dear old Wilson High School. Absolutely. With a 1.6 GPA. Well, now, I graduated, but not with the 1.6. Of course you didn't. <laughs> of course you didn't. You were goody two-shoes. <laughs> but I didn't take school serious. Like, I mean, I played sports, so I had to get a D mm -hmm. to play sports, right? Right. So that's what I strived for, a D. <laughs> uh, without going all into my family situation, I wasn't <laughs> right. really, I wasn't really pushed for you know with education at home because a lot of stuff was going on at home you know so that was the least of my worries school you know i just was doing enough just to get by if i needed to get an a i could easily get an a and sometimes i had to get an a just to get a d because i didn't slept or played through class <laughs> for right. four years straight right mm -hmm. to get to your question i never thought about being a writer right so but my mom she didn't believe in spankings neither did my grandfather they thought that was a derivative from slavery. Mm. They was like, listen, I'm smarter than you. I don't need to beat some sense into you. That's some foolishness. You you don't beat what you love. Right. That was what they believed. And mm -hmm. I believe it too. Mm -hmm. So they would do stuff like get real creative when I was acting a fool, like make me cut everybody grass in the neighborhood. <laughs> That's not uh, And I mean, like, my friends who would get spankings, they'd be back outside playing. Mm -hmm. Three days later, I'm still cutting grass. <laughs> and I'm not allowed to even take a tip. And this is before blowers and stuff. So you had to cut and rake. And I didn't. Even, we didn't have a ride lawnmower, so it was push. And my mother, that was my grandfather. Then my mother, she would make me go in the room and read. I couldn't go outside. Nope, just stay in the house and read. <laughs> and when the more trouble I got in, the bigger the book, right? And so, you know, my whole seventh grade, one of them, seventh or eighth grade, the whole summer I had to stay in the house reading Roots. Oh, my. Read the whole book. But then when she found out that I started liking to read, she'd give me these books. Oh, Just sit course. up in here and think. So anyway, <laughs> I um, ran into a group of little kids one day. I think this was in 1999. I ran into a group of kids. I was taking my son and my little cousin school shopping. Mm-hmm. And this little boy was playing in the street. And so I was like, oh, my God, he'll get hit by a car. He was like maybe nine or 10 years old. Right. And so I pulled over, of course, because I'm me. <laughs> I got to get nosy. I was like, yo, man, you can't play in the street like that. Da, 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 da. So he's like, OK. So I thought he was gone. I slowed up. I left. Act like I was leaving. As soon as he thought I was gone, he shot back across the street. Absolutely. Like he was playing chicken or something like that, whatever it is. So anyway, I turned back around. Where you live? So I went to it, took him home, and his mom was drunk. It was like 11 o'clock in the day. She was drunk. So my little son and my cousin was like, we going to the mall. You want to go? 
you know, kids, they just make friends. They don't care. So, he, of course, he was like, I want to go. So his mom was like, I don't care. Like, she didn't know me from a Adam. So, of course, I can't buy my son and cousin school clothes without getting him exactly. something. Right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, I bought him a couple of little outfits and some sneakers. You know, a little something from Marshalls. Right. You know, it wasn't, it might probably cost me $200, maybe three. I don't know. Took him home. Well, we went. To, we made a whole day of it. We went to David Buster's. So after we went school shopping, we went. You know, went to David Buster's, got mm-hmm. something to eat, play games. So it was like eight o'clock at night when I got it back home, and mom was nowhere to be found, nowhere concerned. So we got took him in the house. I asked about her. She wasn't there. His uh, uncle or somebody was there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so he was like, "When am I see you again?" You know, his little eyes just like you know, because he's a kid, right? So I was like, I'll be back over next week. So the next weekend, when I went to get him, it was like 10 kids out there. I want some shoes. I want some shirts. So I was like. Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that's how I got my foundation started. So I wanted my guys to start reading, but I couldn't find any books that would positive black men. And then I couldn't find any that were in their age group, their little age demographic. And so. I decided, let me just try to write some myself. I never even tried to write. I had a few more questions I wanted to ask you about your books, but I want to take a quick break so I can address the sponsors. And then when we come back, I want to get down into the details of you and your teaching efforts um, at the juvenile facility and how the current atmosphere with the division based on racism that has been in our country forever that they've now shined a spotlight on, how that's affecting your kids and, and the conversations that they're having. And, and because I think they're often a population that gets overlooked. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your products for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, we're back. So Travis, let's get right into it. I want to know how the current spotlight on the racial divide we we have it didn't just happen didn't just start how has that impacted the students that you work with from day to day you know what because i spend most of my time in the juvenile facilities mm-hmm. i can't really say it's been too much of a difference for them because i mean they're so used to being targeted anyway mm-hmm. I mean, this group of kids that I'm getting, I mean, I'm talking about kids that are 13, 12 years old getting locked up. I got a kid named Kenny. I won't say his last name, but Kenny has been locked up 35 times and he's only 14. My goodness. 35 times. And I'm 51 and I've never been locked up once. Right. (laughs) So he's been locked up 35 times. But it's once they get you in their grasp, then it's every little thing he does. Right. And he's an awesome, awesome kid. He really is. He's just from a terrible home life, and he got a, he has a bad attitude because he's constantly going through stuff. He's always angry because he's like, why are people always messing with me? That's kind of how he feels like. And then, you know, he, he 
he talks to you crazy, want to fight all the time, but it's stemmed from him just being so angry. And, you know, sometimes they call me, you better come get your boy, you know, cause I'm all, I'll just talk to him. I mean, he threw a desk at me the first time, the first day I met him and the guards come rushing in there. I'm like, yo, 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 leave him alone, leave him alone, leave him alone. But he's not used to that. He's used to get him out of here. Get, you know, he's crazy. Get, so he's used to that. They done put him in straight jackets. I make him take it off. Take that off of him. What's wrong with y'all? Right. You know, like, see, I've been, I, they can't really do too much to me, right? Because my nonprofit has been kind of appointed by the governor. So it's not like they can say, you fired. You mm-hmm. know, they, they know they can't do anything. I don't get paid. Right. So it's not like they can take some pay from me. So anyway, Kenny is Kenny's an awesome kid. Great, great kid. He's going to come out of this and he'll be something amazing when he grows out of the when he learns to control his anger. But I don't see any difference really, really? because it's personally they've always been deal, dealing with foolishness. Mm-hmm. They have always, you know, they these this these kids have always dealt with what we're seeing on a regular basis. This has always been their reality. Do you think that's part of their anger? Absolutely. Nobody wants to be harassed. I mean, even if you're doing wrong, when you see a little white kid doing something 10 times worse than what you're doing and they get a slap on the wrist and you and you get 60 days. I got in a fight at, at Wilson one time. I got three days suspension. Mr. Brooks came to my house <laughs> and said, you know better than that. You can. You don't have to respond to every fool, all this foolishness. I expect more from you. I mean, he took time when he was off work to come to my house and sit there and say, "I expect more from you." And that meant something to me because now I tell my kids, "Hey, I expect more from you." And when they have expectations from someone that they know care about them, they don't want to let them down. That's a good point. You said when they have high expectations from someone that they know cares about them, right? Right. So. In the facility you're working in, you haven't seen much change based on what's going on out here in the free world. But how do you think those students reacted when they were in the classroom and these types of things were going on? Do you think that fueled some of what they did to, to even move further? This is not just a suspension from school. This is you going to a juvenile facility. And do you think that if maybe they thought the person in that classroom or a classroom cared about them, that they would have worked harder to meet higher expectations. I do a hundred percent. And I, I, I have a terrible hatred for a lot of teachers because I think you should go do something else. If you don't have any patience, <laughs> if you don't have patience for kids, then why work with kids? Right. If your goal is just constantly suspend kids, I mean, even with my own son, I remember he got suspended for a fight one time, right? They were suspending him for 10 days. And after the 10 days, he had to go to a hearing to be allowed to go back into school or go to an alternative school. The first time he fought? It was the first time he was a fight. He's the quarterback of the football team, the shooting guard of the basketball team, always on the honor roll. And he got in a fight and they suspended him for 10 days. So, of course, I appealed it. Mm -hmm. And and I went to the school and I, I, I asked him some simple questions like, I said, you know, I was very frustrated. I said, you guys have time for this, but you don't have time to do your job. Mr. Hunter, we do have time to do our job. <laughs> I said, okay. Okay. So the mediator was there and he said, if you can prove to me that they're not doing their job, there's no way I can suspend your kid. Oh. I said, well, this is easy. I said, young man, the, one, the son of my 
got in a fight with. They got in a fight in the lunchroom. I said, were you sitting at the table with my son? He said, no. I said, where were you sitting? He said, across the cafeteria. I said, how far? All the way across. I said, how tall are you? Almost six feet. So I said, Ms. Prejean Harris, are kids allowed to walk around the lunchroom? No, they're not. Did you tell him to sit down? No, I did not. Why not? I didn't see him. He's almost six <laughs> feet tall. How could you not see him? Right. If nobody's supposed to be walking around, how could you not see one kid walking across all the way across, not from one table to the other where he could duck down and you not see him, but all the way across the cafeteria? I I just I don't know how I missed it, but the, what it doesn't matter because they started fighting. Right. And I said, no, it does matter because if you were doing your job and you told him to sit down, then he would have sat down and no fight would have taken place. And so there was a security guard in there as well. So I said, Mr. Cowser, did you see him? Did you tell him to sit down? Well, by the time I saw him, he was already all across. I said, well, you let him all get all the way across the classroom. So this is what I'm saying by you not doing your job. Right. And then you want to claim, Mr. Hunter, you always up here complaining about this complaint. And I go up there and complain about the other kids. They only had to be my kids. <laughs> They'd be like, Mr. Hunter, that ain't even your child. It mm-hmm. is. Yes, it is. And <laughs> if you looked at him like he was yours, we wouldn't be here. Right. So anyway, a lot of these teachers, I just felt terrible. Like, I mean, one time my son, his senior year, he had to steal a book because the lady said he was rapping in the hallway instead of coming to class. He wasn't late for class. All right. So she wouldn't let him get a book. Because he got to class and everybody had already got their book and sat down. But when he got to class, she was like, you ain't getting no book because you was down there rapping. So because like, I'm he not even late rapping, which isn't against the rules, then I'm going to take even this instructional material away from him, which takes away his opportunity. You know what she said? I'm still paying student loans and you're going to get a football scholarship. So oh I'm not going to give you no extra. Oh, wow. And I went to the school board. Right. And they sided with her. Are you and serious? I'm, they were like, well, the teacher can function in her classroom in any kind of way. No Child Left Behind is no longer in things. She gave him a zero. That has nothing this, to do with No Child Left Behind. Because she gave him a zero. And so wow. with No Child Left Behind, I guess you have a chance to make up zeros. Oh, uh, not necessarily. It depends. Every well, that, every district and well, every state had the opportunity to explain how they were going to enforce those rules. Well, that, in, in the past, that school would let you make up zeros. They would give you an opportunity. Okay. But what, the, the, his senior year, it was no longer in effect. So I went to the school board and they was like, well, she can handle her classroom any kind of way she wants. I'm like, what? So, you know, he had to go to summer school. He, and the end of course testing for his senior year, he got a, no, this was his junior year. I'm sorry. He got a 93 on the end of course testing, which the state gives. Right. He got a 68 in her class, which gave him an F and wow. he had to go to summer school. No correlation at all. And had I known that I could have went over the school board's head at that time, I didn't know it until later on, until I got into it with another one of the teachers for my foundation kids. And I had, and I realized, oh, the school board ain't the end of the story. I can go above their head and go to the state. Exactly. But I didn't know. I know now. But even, even within that story, and I've been an educator for 20 plus years, and I've seen that. Um, I had an instance where when I first started teaching, there was a young man who he just would not stay seated. He would, he would participate. He would do his work. He would take notes, but he had to be somewhere else other than his desk. And I got along with him well, because first of all, I was, I was 21. I think at that time he might've been 14, getting ready to be age promoted. And he was in seventh grade. And so he became a target in other teachers' classes and we would have team meetings. And because they didn't show interest in caring about him is what I felt. He would misbehave in their classes. 
because he felt like you don't care about me anyway. Right. And so and he wouldn't do their work and we would have these meetings. And I remember this one teacher who I'll never forget who wasn't doing her job because every time I walked down the hallway, she was reading a book with her lamp on and had students copying notes from the overhead. So <laughs> she said, we have to work together to get him out of here. Now, I looked at her and I, I was I was kind of gung ho. I wasn't thinking about possibly losing my job at the time, but I told her, you can do what you want to do, but I'm not going to purposely write this child up and get him kicked out of school because you can't get along with him. Right. And it it was like a, a line in the sand that I had created those teachers versus me because I wanted to protect the kids. But like you said, and I said in other, in previous episodes, there are teachers who are racist. There are teachers who don't do their job. There are teachers who don't even want to be there. They're angry. And they're not going to treat the children in a class where the kids are going to be or feel like they're cared about. Because kids, one thing about kids, they can read you and write you as soon as you walk in the door. Absolutely. They know exactly if you are going to be the person who cares about them and is invested in them or if you're just there. And so they react accordingly. And I guess I'm I'm kind of wondering, were there ever situations that the young men speak with you about that they wish didn't happen in schools that you can relate to? Well, if these kinds of things would have taken place and you would have cultivated these kinds of relationships, we could have saved them from being in this situation right now. And they would perhaps feel better about themselves. Right now, we have this whole conversation, and I, and I said it before, about social emotional learning. Social emotional learning did not just start existing suddenly. It's always been there. It's just a matter of you understanding why you're in a profession and you doing the best that you can for those children because that's what you're there to do. But it's my feeling that a lot of our young men, especially, they end up in like juvenile systems and then end up getting into trouble further as they move along because they don't have enough people like you or like I that actually care about them and show them that and then don't give up on them when they make a mistake. Can I tell us, can I say something that you, that maybe you will find controversial, but I stand by it a hundred percent. I would not wish a black school these days Mm -hmm. on any kid. Wow. Not, I would not wish a black school on any kid. And I am wow. as pro-black, anti-white as you yes, can find. Yes, you are. And let me say, because <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I get along fine with white people, but I don't, I don't tolerate racists at all. Exactly. And so, but let me tell you why I say that. So my son had always been in predominantly black schools, right? Mm-hmm. Never had any problems. But after that fight and I got his case overturned, he became he a target. Got a lot of problems all of a sudden. And so all of a sudden, I, so I said, you know what? This is crazy. All of a sudden, he's constantly suspended from school. He's getting written up. He got to go to ISS. And one time he called me and said, Daddy, send me to ISS. I can't play in the, I can't go to the pep rally. He worked all summer long to be the starting quarterback. Right. Day of the pep rally, he shows up and they said, you got to go to ISS because you didn't have your book in class. Instead he's, of because you have a target on your back. He said, yeah, he said, I came to class without my book. He said, but dad, how does he know I came to class without my book when I walked into class with my book bag? And he said, where's your book? How he know it wasn't in my book bag? First of all, that tell me he knew he know the night, the day before they pulled me out of class to go be a witness to a fight. And I had and I had to leave class early. But when I came back, my bag was, was my book bag was by the door. So I just grabbed it and left. And then the next day he tells me, where's your book? Soon as I walk in. 
Right. Go to ISS. And if you're at ISS, you can't participate in any school activities. Right. So he's calling me mad. So I say, I asked the teacher, how did you know he didn't have his book? What do you mean? Because he didn't have his book. Everybody else had their book. I said, no, but he walked in the class. You asked him as soon as he walked in, how did you know he didn't have his book in his book bag? Mr. Hunter, here you go. Come to his rescue again. I said, that's my child. I'm going to constantly come to his rescue, especially when I feel like you guys are on some foolishness. Anyway, come to find out he was so stupid. He was teaching out of his book. (laughs) The book was right there at the podium. Right. So anyway, that's how he knew he didn't have his book. And so I decided, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to take him, take him to another school. I took him to another school in the district, another black school. Word got around, oh, Rashad Hunter, oh, Rashad over there, oh, he over there, Mr. Hunter, Mr. Hunter going to be there. And once they start looking up, and these are not people like you who will say, I don't care what you got going on. I'm going to look at this child. These are just sorry people. Mm-hmm. So my son is like, never been written up, never, you know, honor roll kid, but he likes to play. He want to mm-hmm. be rapping and he's <laughs> a jokester. He going to do his schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And when he finished, he going to start messing with people. So- they kick him out of class, which I don't have a problem with. If you do your work, if you can't sit your butt still, then he's like the kid that got to be moving all the time. He's that kid. Right. Okay. So by after his junior year, we're dealing with the 68 when he got a 93 in the end of course. I said, you know what? I'm going to take him to a white school. Where his mom lives in a predominantly white neighborhood. I take him over there. I never heard one peep. I never <laughs> met the principal. Never met. And the, one time I went to a football game and this, I was sitting beside this white lady and she was like, my, one of my students made me come to the game because he's like, you've been teaching here all these years. You don't come support the team. What is wrong with you? And he bought me a T-shirt. And um, so I was like, well, I'm glad he came and helped you support the team. I didn't know she was talking about my son. So I just happened to be sitting by her. Mm-hmm. And so they said my son's name on it. He got a, made a play or something. And, and I was like, hey, that, yeah, that's my son right there. So she was like, that's my student. The one that made me come. Oh, you guys, <laughs> you guys look just alike. Oh my God. And so she's talking. He's the talker. He talks his, oh my God, he won't stop talking. I keep telling him, I'm going to call your parents. I'm going to call your parents, but I'm not going to call because he's so sweet and uh-huh. he does his work and uh-huh. he's, you know what I mean? Like her, her perception was totally different. Right. And all of the teachers were like that because they like, and he got an F. He legitimately got an F in his uh, statistics class. Mm-hmm. He's like, Dad, I'm struggling. I was like, well, I can't help you. I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to try to get you a tutor, but I can't help you. But the guess, he, he, he got a 60, 66 or something like that, right? So he was supposed to go to summer school. The teacher was like, listen, you come up here. I'm going to give you some extra credit work. It'll give, it'll give you a couple of points if you do the work. You come up here before I put my final grades in. I mean, they went above and beyond to help him pass, whereas the other schools went above and beyond to help him fail. Mm. So that's what my... I wouldn't wish a black school. And and not just that, the kids in my foundation are constantly dealing with teachers that ruin them, make them not like school, make them hate learning, uh, make them think they're dumb, make, you know, don't want to be bothered. Like, I don't make enough money to just be sitting here like that. Well, then go find something else to do. This is true. Don't take your uh, frustration out on these kids. Are like they doing that. distance learning or face to face? Well, now it's distance, but back I'm talking about when I used to have to go up to school and fuss all the time about my my other kids. So I'm glad about the pandemic, so I ain't got to deal with these teachers because I wasn't <laughs> looking forward to them. So you are you are not fond of teachers. I like great teachers. Right. I'm not fond of these idiots who ruin kids' lives because they're don't have they they don't have any 
time to be dealing with that foolishness. So then, so then I got to challenge you on the whole uh, do not send your child to a black school because, you know, is that every black school? I don't think no, every black school I is like I won't say that. it's every, like, every, oh, black every school. white school. Because back in the day, I would not want to go to a white school. I mean, Wilson, those teachers was like... Wilson was amazing. <laughs> they cared. Like when yeah. I went to Clark, yeah. I, when I got out of Wilson, I went to Clark. Those teachers were... It was like, you would know, no, sir. You would not know, sir. You better bring your butt in the class. I see if I, I promise you I'll come snatch your butt off this yard. Exactly. But when I went to Georgia State, it was so impersonal. You don't even know your teacher's name. You just up in a big old classroom in the 500 people in an auditorium. And you got to, it's just, it was, but Clark was so personal. So I was very adamant about, I want my son to go to HBCU. But then you just said. But Do I'm talking about high school to... oh, okay, and public okay, so school. A, pu- a public school is what I'm saying. It's a some public school. I wouldn't send my child to a black public school. I wouldn't let you send yours to one. Well, I'm, again, I'm going to have to disagree with that. Now, granted, my son did say he didn't want to when he graduated. Well, graduated from middle school. He said he did not want to go to public school. So I told him, if you get a scholarship, you can go. Otherwise, public is what we're doing. Um, he had his own reasons for doing that. He learns better in small class sizes. Mm, uh, and most people do. the talker. He's going to take over the small groups. He's going to think he's right and argue about everything. So and if he was at a black school, he'd be suspended. Uh, well, no, because he did go to a black school. Now, he was raised differently than a lot of the students that were at that school. However, he actually, he didn't have any problems. He he was quiet. Now, I had to go in and talk to a couple of teachers that weren't doing what they're supposed to do. But outside of that, he was fine. And he's a, he's a bright young man. The only thing is that because he was raised in a different kind of environment than a lot of them, he was looking around like he was in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. He's also the child of a teacher. Right. A child of an educator. Right. Right. That gives him a, a little different perspective and a little different way of handling things. Mm-hmm. When you have these kids who come from almost nothing mm-hmm. and then they go to these schools and these teach. I have a kid that was did two years in the juvie center. Right. Mm-hmm. So he got to go to school in his district. Mm-hmm. So I go take him to school because his mom signed for me to be able to be his guardian because so she wasn't going to do crap. And so I got up there. I took him to school. He called me about 12 o'clock. Miss Hunter, can you come get me? What's wrong? It's the first day of school. What happened? <laughs> oh, man, these teachers, man, they just milling me. I ain't even do nothing. They talking about something don't come up in here with that fools. They don't bring that jail stuff up in here. How do they even know I want people to know I was locked up? Right. I'm a juvenile. That's against the law for them to even talk about that. <laughs> he know more about the law than they do. Exactly. So now I got to go up there. Well, I'm just saying, I'll be coming up here corrupting with that foolishness. This ain't jail. And I'm like, what are you? What, what is wrong with you? You didn't even give him a chance. It's not even the first. He's hadn't even been here three hours. And then the principal was like, listen, if you can find some place for him to go. That's all he said to me. You should find some place else for him to go. Oh, wow. And I said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. What oh, do you mean? I, I got to protect this school. I said, what you think? He's some kind of, he going to blow up the school? Right. This is the nicest kid you'll ever meet if you ever take the time to get to know him. You just looking at his past that he came from a jail two years in a juvie. And now you just assume he's just going to come up here turned up. But I still, even with that, I still can't agree with you. So... I did something when I was working on my doctorate. I was at a predominantly white middle school, had been for years, but I was driving all the way to a city an hour and a half away to go to class, sit for three hours and come back, which was a lot. And my middle school, they let out late. So I decided if I was going to continue the program, I needed to go to an elementary school because they got out earlier. 
Now, I went to this elementary school, community school, and I'll say North Vista Elementary School in Florence, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And because I was raised in a slightly different kind of environment, I had some suppositions about how life was going to be at this community, 100% African-American elementary school in this particular neighborhood. I, I, I had some suppositions about that. You know, I had my own personal feelings about that. And what I can tell you is that God does everything for a reason. Because I walked into that school thinking certain things and making certain assumptions. And I was only there six months. And then I, I moved to Columbia. But what I found out is all of those suppositions I made about the teachers at that school, the parents at that school, the students at the school, which were all negative, And I didn't even know them. But I just categorized them because they fit into a certain description. And I went there and found that those were some of the most loving, caring teachers, administrators. I mean, the administrator that was there at the time, she even did a parent survey to determine when was the best time to have parent conferences. Because in that community, you had people with two and three jobs. You had single moms raising three kids. Their their father died or or what have you. And literally... They had scheduled scaffold PTA meetings and conferences for students where they had some of them during the day and they made it work so that parents who really support their kids but just couldn't get there were able to come and talk to the teachers and get to know the teachers and they were involved in the community. Well, that's Florence. So you you don't get this. We different. We we a different breed. Okay, so then you need to actually specify specify what you're talking I'm going to clarify what I'm saying. I shouldn't say all black schools. Okay, thank you. Because I'm pro-black. I I love my people, right? Right. But I just hate it. I'm, I'm speaking from a point of pain not not anger right i'm disappointed because i expect so much from us you know and and we can help each other so much if we we just stop the foolishness stop judging and that's what i'm doing that's everything right you're right that's our businesses that's everything that's true but let me i i just i have no patience when people mess with kids none yeah zero i I I will fight you for real like for real over somebody else's kid (laughs) right i will fight you reason i'm doing this because i'm tired of you know my mouth being zip closed and not saying what the reality is and i feel like everybody has an opinion about education and some right. of them are right, wrong, or otherwise. Sometimes things just need to be said. That people I are agree. scared to say them. I'm not scared to say nothing. <laughs> I know somebody come and see me and <laughs> you say, "Oh, shut up!" Oh my god! Like, like I don't care. Like I don't care what you say. Like I don't care what you think of what I say. My, right. I don't just be talking out the side of my neck. It comes from experience. <laughs> I will never put black people down. Mm-hmm. I have just been constantly disappointed with my foundation kids because they're thugs. And, <laughs> Quit calling and, and, his babies thugs. But they weren't born thugs, right? They well, were born we just like wanna, everybody else. We don't want to speak that into existence, man. Well, this we, is we I don't call them thugs. They my babies. Okay, but I'm saying right. this is what they look at them as they are thugs. Right. So they're gonna start. I read this book by a guy named Carl Upchurch, mm-hmm. and it was called Convicted in the Womb. Right. I heard you on one of your other interviews talking about convicted in the womb. Yes, and he was judged. He was destined to fail because nobody was going to give him a shot from day one because of who his mother was. She was a drug addict and he's from the hood. So it's it's funny because 
I, you know, I'm extremely opinionated. And so for years, like I've been riding around with a recorder in the car, recording my opinions, like somebody was going to listen to them and those kinds of things, you know, that was long before podcasts and all these kinds of things. And one of the things that, that I just went off about one time is that like, let's just say I know a set of bordering counties. And whenever you look at the test data for the bordering, bordering counties, it, this particular county is primarily African-American and is beside a county that is primarily white. And every year for the last 15 to 20 years, I know because I looked at the data, <laughs> they have performed extremely lower than the bordering primarily white county next, you know, right next door. And so I said, so essentially what you're saying is that when black people are born, they are immediately born with less, you know, academic ability. They're not as intelligent. So we're born less than. And so there are people who have that idea as soon as a child walks in their door and they see that they have on, you know, the newest this or the newest that, or they, they have this swagger, they walk a certain way, they talk a certain way. They immediately make judgments about those students' abilities and then that's where all of this, this attitude and treatment, and, and sometimes they do it and they have these implicit biases and they don't even realize that they exist. They literally think that they're treating everybody the same, but yeah. it goes all the way back to, it seems like at least in America, cause I haven't really been anywhere else. It seems to me that people think that black people are inferior as our, I believe it was in our constitution at one point where we were only considered one eighth of a person. Right. It seems like it just always goes back to that. You expect African-Americans to score lower. You expect them to not do this as well. You expect them to have lower salaries. But is that because we were born less than? Or is that because we were born into a community that feels and observes us and sees us and decided that we are less than? I believe integration was one of the worst things that ever happened. Uh, I believe that we it would have happened anyway. I don't think that we should have been begging for it to happen Mm -hmm. i think that we should have did what black wall street did with the exception of create a security force right us black people were peaceful by nature Mm -hmm. we're just some peaceful people because if we were as thugged out and gangster as they claim us to be it wouldn't be no white people left but there's a lot of angers it's i mean and for me it's not just now like i love that Things are being highlighted now and people are protesting more and getting their point across and not just saying something and walking away. They're actually getting things done. However, this goes all the way back in time. This is not something that was created today. This is something that has gone through generations and generations and generations. And even though you might be a peaceful people, after a while, you're not going to be so peaceful. And when that is is taught... I'm waiting on us to not be so peaceful because I ain't going to no damn march. I'm not. I'm just let me know when we start shooting. Oh my God. Come on now. Let me know. Let me know when that's out there in the air. Well, that's what I mean, and I say it all the time. So it's not the first time I said it. This is true, but I just, you know, I I, I believe that Travis is going to be a comedian in his next life, and I just attribute it to that. (laughs) That's what you think. But let me tell you, I just don't think that I'm not going to keep. I've never dated the same person twice. You know how people mm-hmm. break up, get back together? Right. Listen, I ain't got time for all that. There's 7.5 billion people in the world. We're going to make it happen while we're together or not. Just move on. Right. Ain't no need to try to get back together and talk about, well, I'm different. Well, mm-hmm. go use that difference on somebody else. <laughs> I just don't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. That's the I'm just not going to do it. So 
I'm just not one of those people that's going to keep on begging white folks for stuff. I'm right. not going to right. do that. Like, and you don't want you don't want your child, neighborhood. you don't want your children seeing that at all. Right. I live in a mixed neighborhood, half white, half black, mm-hmm. half whatever. I got the nicest house in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. A white guy comes down, Travis, you're making our property value go up. I said, well, most of the time you think black folks make it go down. Right. That you is complaining about your property value going up now? So you so, just need something to complain about. So let me Get out ask my yard. you, how? Like, there, there's always talk of a teacher shortage. I know in the school district I'm in now, we have a teacher shortage. We have long-term substitute teachers and things like that. And there's always a shortage. We always talk about teachers don't get paid enough. Okay, there's never enough education funding um, th- we don't have the wherewithal to be able to, even if we wanted to, if we wanted to do some kind of evaluation to get rid of every single teacher who is, is racist or biased or just doesn't want to be there, doesn't like kids, is just malicious, we would not have an educational system, literally. So how, can... how do we get to having an educational system with enough teachers that are in that box that we're talking about where they actually care about children and not just numbers or not just moving themselves up a ladder or things like that. They're willing to take a chance and do what is needed for children. How do we get from there? How do we get from here to there? How is it even possible? Like I can talk about all the problems in education all day. Let me just tell you, I can, because I have seen them from virtually every viewpoint. However, that is not doing anybody any good. So yeah, I want to talk about it because I want to put it out there. But at the same time, how do we fix it? How do we be, because we can't, we're not going to totally fix it. It's going to take want, a I'm, very long time if we even move in that direction with the constant change and, you know, the politics, the laws, all of these kinds of things. But how do we start moving in that direction? I'm going to give you a guy's information. I can't answer that question. I have no idea. <laughs> I wanted, let me tell you something, Dr. Sam. But you got I really, all the answers. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I just know what I know. And sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Right. But I try. Mm-hmm. You know, I try. And right. so that's by no means do I have all the answers. I just I just try. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I come up short and sometimes I can work something out. I don't know. Right. I really want to be a teacher. You are a teacher. You're I know. I want to be a teacher in a in a regular public ghetto public school. Oh, I want to go to the worst. Not, not the good blue ribbon African American. Like no, what, I two go episodes to the, ago, I just had uh, Miss Josie D. Little. She's in. I want to go to the worst elementary school in the state. <laughs> okay. I, I want to go to the worst one that they consider in the state mm-hmm. with the hood black kids. That's where okay. I want to go. But I know that I won't be able to do that mm-hmm. because I can't deal with the red tape and the politics of. Because the minute I see a teacher doing something to somebody, I'm going to do something to that teacher. So so what about this? So just recently, you know, of course, I'm from Florida, South Carolina, and I never knew what this this series called The Wire was. And what? so when I moved, yeah, okay, so I was sheltered. Know about the anyway, wire. So I moved to Maryland. You and just lost all kind of credibility. Actually, <laughs> actually, I can't remember if my husband, so this has been recent. I think my husband said, I think it popped up on on demand or something. And my husband said, you never watched The Wire? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, what's Did he that want about? a divorce? <laughs> right. Right. And so um, he's like, it's based in Baltimore. You got to look at it. You got to look at it. I'll look at it again. And so I started watching it. And I don't watch a lot of TV, but I will do on demand when I have some time. And I'll just binge on some stuff. And so I started watching. I literally watched the whole series in like three days. 
And you just binge watched. I I just, you know, it's crazy. You said that I just watched the wire again, maybe like six months ago. So then, you know, at the, toward the end, one of the, the, I can't remember his name, the tall bald officer. He went to the school and he started a program. He talked to the governor. He started a program. You already have a relationship with the governor where you are. You're the hearts of men foundation. You already have that in. So why not take the program that you're already doing and apply it to a pilot group of schools in a nearby school district. I'm working on something like that. I actually working right. on something like that. The pandemic slowed things up. And so here's the thing. Then I can actually help you with the data and the analysis and putting it all together. So it's not just. All right. Don't be volunteering yeah. for oh, doing that absolutely. now. Boy, where you out? We're like Travis, tell your husband, don't, don't, don't answer that. <laughs> no, not at all. That's something that I would love to do. So just let me know in the future. Yeah. But that's that's the kind of thing. Like, and that's something having... that I'm working with Solomon too. That you, mm-hmm. the guy that I'm telling you to interview with, because I've talked to him about doing something similar. I already do. Like, let me tell you something about when you said you've never really traveled out of the country. Mm-hmm. I was Except in Dubai, <laughs> right? I was in Dubai, and so of course I always want to go to the schools and the jails and whatever, right? So I told my driver, I said, I need you to take me to the jail. He said, I can't. I said, What do you mean? He said, They won't. They won't come out and see you. I said, what do you mean they won't come out and see me? He said, they won't accept you. I said, because I'm American? He said, no, they wouldn't accept me either. He said, because <laughs> they're ashamed of their crime. They feel like they let their family oh, wow. down. So yeah, un- yeah. he said, unlike Americans who be taking pictures on Instagram right. in prisons and being proud and bragging in rap songs about being locked up, that baffles me. He said, that baffles me how you are proud of being locked up in a racist society. Right. And I blame, I hate rappers. Oh, I grew up on gangster rap. I love it back then. But then I grew up, but then I started being an adult and I start seeing, I got kids in the juvie center. Their mother is a surgeon. A father's an attorney. I got, all of my kids ain't just hood kids. Some of them just listen to this crap Mm -hmm. and their brains are so impressionable at that age. And it's all kids. It's just different. You can handle it. Like when I grew up, I wore sweatsuits to school every day because mm-hmm. I won't like run DMC and LL Cool J. My I mom gave me say, that was $200 for school clothes. I go buy two sweatsuits. <laughs> and she'd be like, what are you, so what you supposed to wear else? Right. So I got to go get, I gotta go get <laughs> my aunts and hit my aunts up and they give me some money. Then I go buy more sweatsuits. I had a sweatsuit for every day of the week for I like think, two or three a, weeks. Did you have a Kango? Like one of the. No, but that's what the LL Cool J thing did. I didn't wear the okay. Kango because I didn't want to mess up my hair. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> uh, I had the Will Smith high top fade. Right, right. So, but I mean, if, if rappers can influence my decision on what to wear, mm-hmm. they can also influence your decision on what you do. That's correct. Especially at that young and impressionable age. You know, I mean, you got kids that your brain is not even fully developed until you're like 25. You know, I told 20. my son that and he's 14 now and he keeps reminding me of that. That's right. <laughs> good, good for him. Come on, my don't hit me. My brain ain't fully right. developed. Right. Like, well, my brain is my decision making processing center isn't even and fully And that's developed. the last and I'm like, thing. Say what? <laughs> that's the last thing that develops is your decision, you know, that it, that instant gratification, that consequence, that's the part that lastly develops. So, when you got these kids are doing stuff at 16, 17 years old, it's giving them 10 years in prison. I, I just believe that that, like, I don't even think that you can, you should give a child 10 years in prison with the exception of maybe child molestation or rape, murder, something like that. Uh, but you get three years for murder. 
if yeah, you're an adult, some yeah, people don't even get anything. That, yeah, absolutely. They get a, you know, a deal cut. They get, right. you know, time served. They get right. all kinds of different things. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on who you are and who you know, you know, with the little white kid in Texas, they he killed four people. They said he couldn't go to prison because of affluenza. <laughs> he was too rich for his parents to teach him <laughs> oh, right from wrong. But Pookie can't can't get a break from broke Enza right. or whatever broke broke life or whatever. Right. I can we can go on and on and on, but right. I just believe that this we live in a society that's terrible for young black kids right now. I mean, the rappers are pushing these drugs and jail and crime, and you have these good kids that want to go sell drugs because they think that's cool. You got these rappers who are promoting being junkies, Percocet, Molly, Percocet. And they now they want to get on drugs before their brain is fully developed. But what's funny is a lot of those that are out there saying that stuff ain't they even doing even it. Doing it. <laughs> yeah, I hate doing that it. rapper Future. I hate him. Like, right. I hate him with a passion. Right. Like, I, I was doing something someplace one day and they was like, hey, man, you want to get, I can get Future to come speak to your kids. I said, man, I, I would punch <laughs> him in his face. Come on now. We can't have that on tape. <laughs> That's a confession. That's premeditated. We're going to we're gonna uh, edit that out. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I don't even like, I don't even want to talk to you. Dude, right. you're part of the problem. You're mm-hmm. a major part of mm-hmm. the problem. But so, All because you want to get paid. So we're going to, we, we're, we're going real long, but, and I, you know, didn't want to make this too long, but this is, a, this is very interesting conversation. I think it's conversation that needs to be had um, and, and even in greater depth, but just, just to kind of wrap it up at the end of the day, do you think if we had more teachers like you and I in our schools, in our public schools, in our in our public schools that are all black, that's in the hood. If there were more people like you and me, regardless of color, regardless of race, do you believe that you would have less less students in this juvenile detention centers than you do right now? I believe that we would. Have, I got sixty seven kids in there right now. Mm-hmm. I would probably have five. Wow! Now that that right there. That's an impact statement. I believe. You would, you I believe that I would maybe not even five. If I could get to all sixty-seven of them, we wouldn't have none of them. Right. But there's some of them that I haven't figured out how to reach. I won't say I can't reach them. I just haven't figured out yet. Some of them are so angry. Some are more complex than others. And then you also have to understand that mental illness plays a major part because you know mental illness is hereditary. Right. So it there's no matter is. what you do. It's not a nurture versus nature thing. If you have a crazy mother and father, <laughs> your ass is going to be crazy well, too. Well, you might be. Or your siblings you, it's might gonna be. be. It's going to be high. It's highly likely. <laughs> right. That's so why you, you need to be careful sure to on who you go procreate with. <laughs> you can't just be going to somebody because they oh, fine. You better go do some mental mental health evaluation <laughs> right, on him or her. Fine, huh? Yeah, don't that's fine. Do the criminal though. background check. Make sure don't you do that. That's okay. The cr- I don't care. I'll deal with a criminal. I just can't deal with and I, I could, de- I have a degree in psychology. Right. I know. So, uh, but once I understood psychology, I started, you know, understanding the kids a lot better. Right. That's why I think all police officers should at least have a four-year degree in sociology, psychology, and not just criminology. I think you should understand. And then once you see, that's why they so slow to kill white people because they value them. They see value in their life. They don't they have been taught from day one that we are dangerous, even though we didn't enslave nobody for 400 years. Yeah, but they taught us that they taught us division. They embedded it into our culture and we still have it embedded into our culture. Like literally. And I'm going to say this and we're going to have to wind it down a little bit. But 
I, I literally can have two students in the same class and one student has curly hair and lighter skin and the other student has darker skin and doesn't have curly hair and they will argue and fight with each other for no reason. For no reason. No reason. Yeah. Because it's embedded, it's been That's embedded right. into our culture and we haven't done enough to remove it so that we're not constantly teaching those things generation after generation. Right. I'm t- Can I say this one thing yeah. and I'll let you go? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... My juvenile kids, they always fight, right? Mm-hmm. Always fight. So you can edit this out, but I, just, I, need, <laughs> I need to say it how I got to say it. Okay, say it you how can, you got to say it. Okay. So I'm going to cuss. Okay. Don't All make right. it too big it, of a cuss. Okay. No, because these okay. are my foundation kids, and I have to reach them on their level sometimes. Uh, okay. All right. So what happens, I had these two kids fighting. They always fight, and I do the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. And I go to different juvie centers, so it's not just the same thing, same right. plate there. So anyway, but I go to this one all the time. Mm-hmm. So they fighting. F you, in, F you, F you, F you, you know. And mm-hmm. so I said, okay, come here, come here, both of y'all. So, you know, they want to fight. I make them stand at the top of the class, right, mm-hmm. in the front of the class. I said, listen, I want you to take that word, take that N-word out your vocabulary. Right. And I want you to say that same thing as mean, as hard, as hateful as you said, that F you, say it again, but replace replace the word, replace that N-word with brother. Mm-hmm. Now go ahead, cuss him out, say it. F you, brother. Then they just start laughing. Right. Because it don't even <laughs> sound right. I said, you know right. why it don't sound right? Because... The N-word is a term of hate, and brother is a term of love. So now you're laughing because it don't even go together. Right. And that's not, not, see, when you use that N-word all the time, that's why you run around so angry, because that's a negative and nasty word. It is. And so, therefore, if you replace that word, that F-U-N, with F-U-brother, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Immediately when you said it, I started chuckling. And when you, (laughs) I said, when you look at him like your brother... Instead of some N-word, right. you're not going to conduct yourself that way towards exactly. him. And so it works every single time. I've been doing it since 2008, the same right. little thing. And every time they're like, oh, man, Mr. Hunter, you know what, man? I, I was thinking about that, man. I ain't going to say it no more. They still say it, but they just, at least I planted the seed. Mm-hmm. So I just, a lot of stuff that we have to deal with is, like you said, embedded. It's a right. hatred. It's embedded inside of us when we start right. calling each other bitch. Exactly. We can't use those negative terms. No, no. It it creates a negative format for you the whole day. Right. All right. So I'm sorry I've been so long-winded. No problem. I actually was supposed to be doing another interview at 730, but I ain't going to make that one. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you made mine. All right. We're going to have to wrap it up, but it has been a great, great conversation with you, Mr. Hunter. I appreciate you being here on the show. Hopefully we can have you back sometime. Absolutely. Anytime. Before we go, I want to make sure that everyone goes out and grabs Travis's books. They are riveting. You will definitely be turning the page, page to page to page and not want to put it down just like uh, Mr. Elin Harris. So, Travis, can you give them your information and how they can get in contact with you and how they can get your books? All right. My website is TravisHunter.com and you can find the new books on there as well as some Travis Hunter gear, where the uh, proceeds go to my foundation, the Hearts of Men. And we mentor at-risk kids with my foundation. I hate the term at-risk, but that's I what most people understand. Well. I was actually going to argue with you about that term. but I hate it. I hate it. We got to figure <laughs> a better term out for that. Yeah, we'll um, So TravisHunter.com and Amazon.com or any place books are sold. But 
I prefer you go to TravisHunter.com. That absolutely. way the money I just got goes my to the gear foundation. in the mail yesterday. Did you got to take a picture so I can see it? Absolutely. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank again, you for Travis. having me. And listen, let me clear up something. I won't mm-hmm. say I won't shouldn't wish black schools on anybody. Certain black schools, if they just up there for a paycheck, right. if they up there for the real reasons, then hey, by all means, let's take care of our babies. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Good all enough. Right. Good night.